Happy Mother's Day. It's a great day. It's going to be a beautiful day. I was trying to swallow my mint as fast as I could. I got it. Thank you, Lord. But today is going to be a really special day. I'm excited. We're going to hear from some anointed women. They're going to speak. And here's to set the table right here. Mother's Day. Best day. And really hard for some people, too. And we're very aware of that. And this is what I know to be true, is that God is going to heal hearts today. He's going to renew hope today. He's just going to, he's going to restore. And just to be totally honest, as a worship team today, what we had to go, um, as we prayed before, Taylor and Donna, two of the different ladies on our team, this is their first Mother's Day without their mom. And it's that reality of, all right, we're going to cry together. We're going to worship Jesus together. We're going to celebrate together. And so I would just say to every woman in this room and to every man, get ready for God to move in a beautiful way today. Because he's going to do it. Because that's who he is. All right. So our first speaker today, I love this woman so much. I couldn't be more proud of her. It has been the greatest joy and honor getting to watch her in VSSM and watch her as a mama what she has to give is so beautiful. So I would love for us to give the biggest valley welcome to the amazing, the anointed, the beautiful, Brooke Evenden. Yeah. Oh, and her handsome husband, Travis, there we go. Good morning. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Brooke. Um, my husband, Travis, and I um, will be celebrating 13 years of marriage this summer. It's pretty cool. We met when I was little. I was like seven or eight, and he was probably 10 um, in Sunday school. We've spent nearly half of my life together. Um, we have four incredible kids, and I'm here to talk about what it looks like to be a mom when I didn't have one. So when Pastor Christie called me this week, I knew immediately that I needed to do this, and I didn't hesitate to say yes, but I'm not confident in being up here. Um, <laughs> I am learning to be obedient when God calls and to step outside of my comfort zone. Wendy Backlund says something, and it, this week it really just hit me. Um, she says, don't have faith in your own ability to speak. Have faith in his ability to anoint what you say. So I'm here. I also didn't realize the flood of emotions that I was going to have preparing for this week. Um, I had to really wrestle with some of my beliefs about myself and the reality of his promises for my life. I'm not going to lie, it was a tough week. Um, ultimately, Jesus gets the victory and I made it. So, Whew. I grew up without a mom. She had me when she was 18 and she very quickly chose a life of drugs and alcohol and partying. Um, both of my parents chose that. And so my grandma had me. She raised me on, on her own. It was just the two of us in our house. And my mom was allowed to just come and go. So she made a lot of promises. She broke all the promises. She missed a lot of the milestones in my life. Um, and because she was around but not really present, I experienced abandonment over and over and over. I struggled with my identity, my ability to receive love, 
and just an overall view of my worth. I struggled with feeling responsible for my parents and their choices because I could see that what they were doing was wrong and I just wanted them to stop. When they each had other children, they fought to keep those kids, but not me. And so I felt like I wasn't really worth being anyone's first choice. My grandma did the best that she knew how. She was also really concerned with my mom's emotions and her feelings, it's her daughter. And so that meant that voicing my feelings was not really okay. It hurt my mom's feelings, and so there was a denial of my own experience. Growing up, all I wanted was family. One, my one desire was to be a part of a family, to have a mom and a dad. I wanted to feel like I belonged somewhere, like I was loved fully. I found Jesus when I was eight. Um, and although my faith grew, I had a lot of internalized anger and confusion. I knew God loved me, and my belief in him was unwavering. But I still couldn't accept that I was a loved daughter. I just didn't know how to be a daughter. When I became a mom myself, my one prayer was, Lord, make me the mom I never had. I had this idea, probably born out of anger, that I wasn't, it wasn't hard to be a mom. It was easy. And if you can't do it, there's something wrong with you. To my surprise, I became a mom at 18 as well. And it wasn't easy. It was really, really, really hard. And I had no idea how to reconcile my own idea of what motherhood should look like with what I was experiencing. I carried shame for being a teen mom. I felt like I had failed to break the cycle I so desperately wanted to break in my family. I questioned whether I was even meant to be a mom, and I thought maybe I can't do it and I need to give up. So I fell into a really, really dark depression for a long time. Maybe it was even more of an oppression. Travis and I got married when our oldest was nine months old. And over the years, we had three more kids. But the first 10 years of motherhood for me were the darkest and most painful years of my life. I forgot to lean on the Lord. I forgot his love and his promise. I was swallowed up in a darkness of diagnosed mental illness and unresolved trauma, of guilt and shame and self-condemnation. I was terrified of abandonment and rejection. So I shut down and I pushed everyone away because I didn't want to hurt them, but that hurt them even more. And then God stepped in and he is so much bigger than the darkness and the pain. When I had finally had enough and I surrendered, surrendered all of the fear and I started to look towards him, this beautiful process of restoration began. My mom and I are restoring our relationship and I get to start walking towards God with my children. I started to seek him in all things. Literally everything, every thought I have is directed towards him because I know I can't rely on my own thoughts. Amen. So this week while I was preparing, I got stuck in some of those old feelings, ones that said I'm not a good mom. If only they knew that I yelled at my kids this week. If only they saw how messy my laundry room is. If if only they knew how much I struggle to not let my emotions dictate my behavior or about how overwhelmed I get. If only they knew that I spent the week arguing with my teenager or that I was overstimulated by the noise in our very small house and I just needed to get out. 
I can't possibly be an example of godly motherhood. But that's a lie. The Lord is funny. He has a sense of humor. And his timing is always so perfect. This week, our video at VSSM was about hope and how what we believe becomes our reality. So if you're believing lies, that becomes your perception of reality. So I had to once again surrender the heaviness and the lies that I was believing and remember the truth, his truth, in order to change my reality. He started to remind me of places he's redeemed. Yes, I get overwhelmed and yell sometimes, but I always go back and I sit down with my kids and I apologize and I show them what that looks like. I reconnect with them. Yes, my emotions sometimes get the best of me, but I have conversations with my kids about overwhelming emotions and learning to recognize when your feelings are lying to you, about learning to control your behavior and how it's important for them to learn it now so that they aren't 32 and trying to figure it out on their own because it's really hard when you're an adult. Yes, parenting teenagers can be hard and messy, but I have a really amazing son and we always find our way back to understanding each other. So maybe I'm still in the process of becoming the best mom I can be. But they get to watch me do it. They get to see me make mistakes and own them. They get to see me bring it to the feet of Jesus and surrender all of my own junk. They get to see my victory, and it gets to become their victory too. I get to start fresh every day with my kids and show them what it looks like when we follow Jesus. Every morning on the way to school, We either say declarations or we go around the car and say one thing we love about each other. Um, Sometimes we say one thing we love about ourselves and when they can't think of something, we rally and we tell them what we love about them. And then we pray together. And I wanna set the precedent every morning begins with Jesus and we proclaim his truth over our family and ourselves every day. So I have no practical blueprint for what being a mom looks like. I wasn't shown that example but I'm drawing one up for them so that they never have to experience this. That cycle does end with me. And I don't always know what I'm doing, but I have the most amazing partners. Um, My husband, who despite not having a father himself, is the most incredible dad. (laughs) You guys. This community of believers at Valley, you guys continuously speak life into my children and our family, and we are so grateful. And the Lord, he's always reminding me of his promises, and he never leaves. So a few months ago, I was struggling, again, this happens, with a lot of negative beliefs about my ability to parent, and I was praying, Lord, make me the mom I never had. And he just kindly asked me, why are you praying to be the mom you never had? Why are you asking to be someone that hurt you? I was shocked by the question, but he didn't wait for a response, and he just said, children need you to be the mom I created you to be. Ask me for that. Ask to be the mom your kids need. They don't need the same things you needed. They need who you are already, and they need who you're destined to be. Makes a lot more sense to me to focus on his promise instead of my own lack. Um, A few weeks after that, We were very, very overwhelmed. Our daughter, Penny, she's eight. She was having big, big emotions, a lot of separation anxiety every time we would leave for class on Thursday for VSSM, and she would just cry and beg us not to go. And I had 
a whole lot of guilt and shame for making her feel like that. It took me back to the feelings I had every time my mom left. That abandonment resurfaced, and it was pretty unbearable. I remember tears streaming down my face on the way to church, and I just asked God, how can I help her? <sighs> he is so kind, and he said, you are so sensitive to your children's emotions. You worry that every time they have big feelings that you're leaving a lasting impression and harming them. You're afraid that you're traumatizing them, but they aren't you. They aren't in the same situation you were in. You don't have experience with normal childhood emotions, Brooke. You only knew traumatic ones. Your children have a mama and a daddy that love them. You are present in their lives daily. You're a good mom. They know they can count on you, and they lean on you to help them regulate their emotions. So don't try to make her stop having them. They're normal. They're not traumatized. They're not abandoned. They are so loved, and they know that. He said, my darling daughter, you are showing them my love. You are the mama they need right now. Let them feel the feelings and show them how loved and cherished they are. You're living your dream life. Remember how badly you wanted this family. They're your gifts, and every gift for me is good and perfect, but you're also their good and perfect gift. I just remember the peace after that, and pretty soon Penny's separation anxiety went away. There's no more tears. This journey for me hasn't been easy. It hasn't been anything I thought it would be. But seeing my children love Jesus and begin to step into their own calling, all because they see me doing it, it's better than I could have expected. So I'll tell you about our kids. Grayson, our oldest, is 13. He's amazing. He was an intern for Pastor Tim this year, and we got to see him bloom in his own callings. He's prophesying over VSSM students and writing sermons, and he's just grown so much. He's incredibly intelligent. He likes to say it's because he graduated high school in the womb, which is true, <laughs> but really, he says that. His intelligence is a gift from the Father, and I know that. <laughs> Levi, our second born, his, he turns 11 tomorrow, so tell, tell Levi happy birthday. Today's not only Mother's Day, it's also the 11th anniversary of me laboring 24 hours with our largest baby. So happy Labor Day to me. <laughs> Levi has a gift, and every teacher he's had for Sunday school has told us he has a pastoral gift. He's a natural leader, and he is just so compassionate. He has a really creative mind, and he can teach himself how to play almost any instrument. It's crazy. Now Penny, our oldest daughter, she is almost nine. She has a mama's heart through and through. She's always the first to offer to help and show kindness. And she reflects the Father's love with such ease and grace. And she amazes me. Her testimony of miraculous healing as a toddler is incredible. And I'll have to share that someday because she was miraculously healed. And lastly, our baby Rosie. She's a spitfire. She's five. She wakes up every morning asking, Mama, can today be a church day? She tells me she has angels with her everywhere she goes. She brings us to Jesus in every circumstance. She is our reminder. We need to pray. She has a fire for the Lord burning inside of her, and it's indescribable. I'm proud of the amazing kids that we've been given, and I thank God every day that he's walking this road with me. He's guiding me, 
and he's not leaving me. I don't have to try to measure up on my own or grasp for my own idea of what a good mom is. I get to trust his promise that I am a good mom. So I'm going to end with this. I asked each of my kids to think of three words that describe the kind of mom I am. I gave them a few days to come up with them. But Rosie very quickly declared that she didn't need any time. She knows. So her words, number one, the bestest. Two, the most amazing. And three, the bravest. I asked her why she thinks I'm brave. And she said, because every time you're sad or you're scared, you talk to God about it. And if that's the kind of mom she sees, how can I believe anything, any, anything else? Come on. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so what I want Brooke to do is I want her to pray. Because like I said, in this room, we have so many different stories. We all have very different experiences. And so I want you to pray for moms, the ones who are being the forerunners of saying, it ends with me. And now it starts with me. The blessings of the Lord start with me. So why don't we go ahead, ladies, let's stand up. Father, thank you so much for the gift of our children. Thank you so much for walking with us as we forge a new path. Thank you for guiding us and stepping with us and giving us the confidence and the boldness to move forward even when we don't know what, we're, what step we're taking next. Thank you so much that you lead us. I pray over every mama in this room, mamas-to-be, people who desire to be mamas. I pray for every heart in this room, Lord, to feel your love as they mother their children. I thank you so much for the restoration in the lives of all of the mamas here, in my life, in my mom's life. I thank you for always guiding and being with me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. What a good word. Our next anointed, beautiful woman of God who's about to come and speak. If you know her, you love her. That's, that's one of the best ways to describe her. She's filled with compassion. She's filled with passion. She's one of the most intentional women. And I love watching her be a mom. It's, it oozes from every pore in her being that she loves being a mama. And so we're about to be so blessed by the anointed, the wonderful Micah Russell. Good morning. I, unlike Brooke, when Christy asked me, she called me and she's like, so Mother's Day, and I immediately was like, nope. I'm like, I'm going to hang up the phone. I do not like speaking in front of people. Um, I like to just be in the background with my kids, let my kids shine. I, this is not my place, but I, hung, I was like, I'll pray about it. I'll let you know, and I hung up the phone and immediately felt God just go, 
you can talk about this, you're talking about this. And I'm like, God, I'm walking through all of that right now. Like, none of, I'm not good at any of what you're saying. It's what I'm struggling with right now. Not struggling, I'm getting there. But he was just like, you have things to say, you should say them. And I was like, I'm not gonna do it. Literally all day, I was like, I'm not gonna do it. And then that night I was like, okay, Lord, I'll do it, I'll speak. So here I am, a little nervous. Um, <laughs> before I start, I just wanna honor a few people. Um, if you're a single mom, if you're doing this by yourself, could you stand up? And if you have a son or a daughter dancing with Jesus in heaven, can you stand up? And my mom's here, too, and I just want to honor her. She's mirrored Jesus my whole life. She homeschooled us. She stayed home with us. She, um, my brother and I, and we adopted my sister when I was five, and so she has just mirrored Jesus, and I just love her. So I won't make her stand up, but <laughs> she's here, too. Um, yeah, I was thinking about what makes, what makes you a good mom. What makes you a good mom? When I had my son, he was like, my firstborn, I've got four kids, and when my firstborn was a few months old, I went to the grocery store, had him strapped on me, I'm doing my grocery shopping, and this old lady came up to me, and she was like, I just want to tell you, you're such a good mom, and before I was like, oh, thank you, she's like, you remembered to put socks on your son. <laughs> so many moms I see these days don't put socks on their son, and it's just, it's the worst, they need socks, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> totally could have stopped that you're a good mom, I would have felt great, but I was like, is that what makes me a good mom? Putting socks on my kid, having the laundry done. I mean, I also have my laundry room, atrocious. It is so many, so many loads of laundry, all the things. So I'm like, is it that that makes me a good mom? What does it make me a good mom? So I was thinking about it, I was praying about it. God, what are the memories I have of being a good mom? And immediately, number one, when I'm with Jesus, when I'm in his presence, when I'm, we have the worship music blasting in the kitchen and we're dancing around, which is my favorite things to do. It's when I'm just, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you, Jesus. That is when I feel like I'm being the best mom. And number two is when I'm just fully present with my kids. There's those moments when the busyness is happening and you stop and you look at your kid and it's like you're seeing them in high definition. You're like, see every eyelash, you see every little thing, their laugh, their whatever, and you're just fully just wrapped in their hearts, pursuing their hearts, stopping what you're doing and just being in that place. And I'm like, that's when I feel like I'm the best mom because I'm just getting to experience my kids. I'm getting to just enjoy who God made them to be. Um, I, uh, sorry, I'll split my notes over here. Um, I was reminded, it was funny, Candace and Blake were over this week and Candace made this comment. She said, you know, as moms, we get to make our own schedules. I don't know why I hadn't thought of that. I was like, of course, I plan the day, we plan the day, we have school, we have drop-off, pick-up, we have all those kinds of things, but as moms, we get to make the schedule. So why am I constantly like, hurry up, get your shoes on, hurry up, get in the car. That's why I'm like, all the time, I find myself telling my kids, I've got six, four, two, and a three-month-old, and I'm like, hurry up, we gotta go, hurry up, we gotta go. Like, why are we doing that as moms? Why are we rushing, rushing, rushing? It just feels like we're like always behind and in those moments is when I feel like I'm the worst because I'm like yelling at my kids, get in the car <laughs> or whatever. But anyway, I'm like, why are we doing that as moms? Why aren't we like, you know, 
planning out our day or whatever, but I, pause there. In 2014, I went to um, Heidi Baker's School of Supernatural Ministry. Incredible experience. I met my husband, TJ, there in Africa, and it was just like, you're just sold out for Jesus. You're in his presence all the time. It's so good. And her like slogan is stop for the one. So there we're like, you know, building houses for widows and we're feeding kids and we're doing all this and we're stopping for the one. It's so amazing. And then I'm like, look, we're, you know, remembering all these memories. And then I'm like back in this spot. I'm like, okay, God, I'm in my mission field in Idaho. What does that look like? And I felt like he goes, your one is your kids. Right now, my stopping for the one looks like stopping the busyness. I mean, of course, you have to, like, get dinner on the table. But you're stopping in the busyness, and you're stopping for your kids because they're so worth it. They're so worth stopping for. And I find, you know, in the busyness, when my son wants to show me this cool Lego that he made, he comes up, and he's like, he just wants my gaze. He just wants me to look, and wow, that's amazing. That Lego you made is so cool. And like, how easy is that to just stop and catch his gaze? And immediately I, I was thinking of that and God said, that's me and you. I just want you to stop and catch my gaze. I'm looking at you. I'm ready. God's not over there like, you know, on Facebook. Hold on. I want to see this video. He, the minute I'm like, God, guess what? He's like, what? Let me see it. Let me hear it. Tell me everything. And that's how I want to be to my kids. I am not perfect at this. I am getting there. <laughs> I am trying. But just remembering, stopping, catch his gaze, catch your kids. Like, it's all, it's just, it's amazing. It all comes together. Um, yeah, he's just so, I feel like there's just so many ways that we can mirror his, our relationship with him to our kids. Um, I was, like, I stumbled upon, <laughs> I was, like, reading through my Bible, and I stumbled upon Zephaniah 3.17. And it says, for the Lord your God lives among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he calms all your fears. He will rejoice over you with a joyful song. I read that and I was like, I get to mirror Jesus like that to my kids. I get to rejoice over them. I get to be excited. I get to be that safe place. Last night, my daughter comes into my room at whatever, 3 a.m. And she's like, I'm scared. She's two. She comes, I'm scared. I'm like, come on, get in bed. She gets in bed. It's like, we get to be mirroring Jesus to our kids. And I just, I, I love that. I love that we get to do that. I have a very strong memory when I was little with my mom. Actually, all through my childhood, um, we'd get up in the morning and I'd, you know, peek in her door and she'd be in her word, Bible open, sitting there, just eyes closed, just like interceding for us. She'd intercede for her family every day. She was busy. She was homeschooling. She had tons of things to do. She was the mom that had dinner on the table at five o'clock when my dad walked in the door. She was doing all of it. And every morning she'd start in this place, just spending time with the father, just mirroring that to us, spend time with the father, make it a priority, make space for that. And I feel like that's a great thing for husbands to step in and go, I see that it's overwhelming. I see that you need space and go take that time to be with Jesus. Don't take that time to sit on your phone and look at Facebook. Guilty. I do it. I want to disconnect. It's overstimulating. I totally get it. But I've been challenging myself. Go take those five, ten minutes. Be with Jesus. If you're, you know, single mom, like call a friend, whatever. I will come over and hang out with your kids. If you need just that time, that space to be with Jesus, because it's so important, because that's where we parent out of. That's where we mother out of is his love throwing, flowing through us to our kids. So there you go. Um, yeah, let's just be mamas 
that mirror him, that catch his gaze, that are present for our kids. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> so fun. I'm sitting over there listening and I'm like, yes, because she lives it. Her life is absolutely the message. And this is what this is as a church, as believers, this is our invitation to live out what Jesus paid for. It's his design. Like this is God's design. And we get to walk in the fullness of our identity. And so when I hear this, I'm like, yes, that's what it gets to be. When I hear Brooke, I'm like, yeah, that's what it gets to be for families. We get to raise people up, children up in the safety of a loving mother's heart, amazing fathers, those that are doing it on their own. You get to be the ones who believe in them. Like we said, we have testimonies on testimonies. Pastor Tim, he, like he said, he was raised with a single mom. But there are people in here who are the ones saying, it's going to be different for me. And what happens when we say yes? And so I just want you to pray for everyone too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Papa, for your never-ending, never-failing love that you pour out on us. God, I just pray right now that you would pour a refreshment out on all the mamas here. God, that you would stir our hearts to look to you, to look into your eyes, to get refilled, to take those busy moments and, Lord, and just focus on you, to turn the worship music on and to change the atmosphere, to change the schedule so we're not in a hurry, Lord, but that we are able to be enjoying our kids, enjoying our day. Um, God, I just thank you for every mama in this room. I just pray blessing, blessing, blessing over her. God, that there would be... Um, yeah, just supernatural joy this week, this month, this year, that it would, something would shift, it would be different, and it would be amazing just living in your presence. Amen. Amen. So good. Woo, we're blessed. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. I preach better if you amen me. I preach better and faster. So the louder you are, the faster I'll be. <laughs> All right. To welcome up our last speaker, it is me. <laughs> I love you. Um, so I am going to be speaking to our ladies, those that are in the waiting, those that are spiritual mamas, those that are contending, those that chose to do different things. I want to preach to all of our ladies today. And guess what, men, you're going to be preached to too because we need each other. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Women need men to be men, and men need women to be women. Amen. There's a whole sermon that we could go into that. We'll do it another day. It's the beauty of God's design. What a gift. I mean, literally, creation is groaning to see the manifested sons and daughters. And so people get confused, but all we need is some truth, being like, hey, this is what it looks like. When we step into our role, the craziness goes away. It's really simple. We say yes to truth, and we get to see the craziness go away. We see the cycles end. 
So this is our call as believers to walk in all that Jesus has for us. One thing this year, I had like two different messages, so I'm going to bring them down really quickly here. This year, I had the amazing privilege to get to watch my... I was hearing something. I got very distracted. I hear a phone. I like super sense conversation. Wow. Sorry. That was my major squirrel, but I heard someone talking on the phone, so I was like, what the heck? Sorry. Back to this now. Okay, this year, I have the amazing privilege to get to watch my beautiful sister-in-law, Katie, birth my perfect niece, Emery Ray. There is nothing like it. I was literally on a high for like a month. Ryan can attest to it. I was like, babe, you don't even understand. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, I honestly was quite annoying to people because I was like, there is nothing like that. It was amazing. I was like, she was incredible. It was so beautiful. I loved every moment. And it was such a gift. But that's, that's what I'm talking about. How God designed us is amazing. Women are wild. What women can do is amazing. I mean it. it it's the truth. It's, it's just incredible what God, how he designed us. But the reason I'm saying that is to get the beauty of how God made us. He did a really good job. Amen. He did a really good job. He did a really good job when he designed woman, and he did a really good job when he designed man. Amen. Praise God. All right. So part of my message, what I really feel today as I was praying into this, what to share is I just felt like God wanted to really bless hearts with the reality and remind hearts that Jesus is the promise keeper. He's the promise keeper, and I believe that the Lord wants to show that he is faithful and true. He's faithful, and he is true. So Philippians 1.6, we'll do that first. Let's see, Linda, you might beat me here. If you beat me, I'd love that. Yes. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Amen. So what do we take from that? God finishes what he starts. So the big thing to take from that, God will finish what he starts. It's who he is. Romans 8, 28. God causes everything to work for the good cause everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What do we take from that? God's going to work it out for good. Yes. So here are the big nuggets. He works everything out for good and he finishes what he starts. Yeah. We'll let it go deep into your heart. Because sometimes we're in the middle of it and we're like, Lord, it doesn't seem very good yet. I'm still contending. I'm waiting, but what's his promise? He finishes what he starts and he works it out for good. Amen. One last verse here really quick. Ephesians 3. Okay, I'll read through it all. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love, keeping you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, 
how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Amen. So verse 16, he wants to empower you. Here's a reminder. God wants to empower you with inner strength. Thank you, Lord, by the Holy Spirit. And he wants to accomplish infinitely more than you might ask, think, dream, or imagine. So this is a getting our, our sets sight, our sight set, there we go, on him again. Once again, God finishes what he starts. He works everything out for good. And he wants to accomplish more than you could think, dream, or imagine. Amen. So let your heart be settled in that today few different testimonies here. Oh man, I'm so torn between two different messages. But this is what I want to stir really quickly. I'm going to do both of them, but I'm going to be fast. This is what I believe. I know that God is who he says he is, so I want to share some testimonies. Julia Chittick, if you know her, she's one of our dear friends here who was contending to have babies for 22 years, just believing that she'd have babies. We had I remember praying for her. Our intercessors prayed for years, obviously. That was most of my life. She was contending to have babies. And that gives a reality of a picture of someone contending. I remember seeing visions of her holding hands with little girls. And guess what? She is at home right now with her two, with her twin baby girls. Perfect, strong, healthy. God finishes what he starts. It's true. It's who he is. My mom. They told her she wouldn't be able to have babies. My grandma, she rose up and said, uh-uh. So what'd she do? She bought a little crocheted dress. She hung it in her bathroom and would pray over every day, Jesus, thank you for giving Renee a daughter, thinking that you're going to give her a baby girl. And then my mom, surprise, surprise, got pregnant with me. Thank you, Jesus. He is who he says he is. He'll finish it. He works it out for good because it's who God is personal testimony from my life. I remember, you know, I was raised up where I'm like, I'm going to wait for the right man. God's going to bring in the right person. And I knew it. I knew it to be true. But in the waiting, sometimes you're like, well, I, I'm, I believe you, Lord. Kids that I pastored in youth are getting married before me. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm like, wow, is there a youth pastor and they're married and have kids before me? Thank you, Lord. He's coming. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, just being like, all right, Lord, he's going to be great. I'm going to be pursued. You know, all the things that I, I knew to be true, I didn't want to settle. And in the midst of it, I remember people even saying things to me like, you know, you really just need to put yourself out there some more. Go be around some singles. Like, really get yourself out there. For me, I was like, no, like I'm going to be pursued. And I'm like, and I know that I'm doing what the Lord has called me to do. And God's just going to have to have him walk through those doors because I know that I'm walking in the calling that God has for me right now. And guess what? Praise Jesus. He walked through those doors on Easter Sunday better than I could think, dream, or imagine because that's who God is way better than I could think, dream, or imagine. 
My, my charge here, I've talked about this before, but the story of Deborah, this is what I feel for our women today, especially if we go to Judges 4. I love this story so much. I'm actually going to pull it up on mine because I'll need to. But Deborah, if you didn't know, she was, she was a judge and she was a prophet. So she had very high ranking in society. They would come to her, the, you know, the, the people would come to her for guidance, for judging, but she also, like I said, was a, was a prophet. And so this is, this is what I believe right now. I believe that God is calling women to walk out in their God-given destinies today. Because we need that. We need that. Mother's Day, we're going to celebrate mamas, and we're going to celebrate women walking in what God has called them to do. So Deborah, we'll just start here at verse 1. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. It's kind of a cycle they did. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazar, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera. Sisera was a bad dude. But he was, he was really bad. He was notoriously known pretty much for going and he'd rape women. He, he'd kill people. It, he was horrible. He was a very bad man. That's what he was notorious for. He had 900 chariots, ruthlessly, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, interesting name, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. And she would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and their Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day, she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord God of Israel commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes, Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera. I love that. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River, and there I will give you victory over him. So Barak, the soldier, told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. Colleen, that's right. <laughs> So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, and at Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of, yes, near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready, because this is the day that the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor. Just picture this. That's a lot of people. This is an epic battle about to happen. 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor and into battle. When Barak attacked, 
the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. So Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, my girl. We love Jael. The wife of Heber the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazar. So Jael, Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Now, like I said, Sisera was evil man. In previous chapters, it talks about literally that his mom had described, like, oh, are you bringing me the garments of women? Like, he, he was known for raping women, horrendous things. J.L., knowing someone who, she lived in a tent, so she was a very vulnerable woman. And she had heard the cry of her people, all the horrendous things that have happening. And she goes to that man, come into my tent. So he goes in, and he says to her, please give me some water, I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag. He needs some milk. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there's anyone here, say no. But when Sisera, bad man, fell asleep from exhaustion, J.L. quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. Come, and I will show you the man you were looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with a tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Javan, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Javan until they finally destroyed him. So what, what's the point? Why do I love this story so much? It's pretty epic. That's one reason why. I mean, JL, tent peg, through a temple, that's, it's just pretty epic. But the point is, people stood up into their callings, and they said yes. Deborah, in other chapters, it says she arose as a mother over her nation. Didn't say that she arose as a mother over a specific child. It says that she arose as a mother. And in arising... When she arose as a mother, it meant that she called the warrior, Barak, to step into his call. So when we as women of God walk in our callings, that means that we partner with men of God and we say, hey, this is what the Lord's called us to do. Let's do it. It's not women's movement. We don't need no man. That's garbage. That's from the devil. You need men. <laughs> you need men to be men and you need women to be women. So Deborah rose up in her calling, and she said, Barak, go. He goes, I'm not doing it on my own, but I'll do it with you. So she goes, all right. Well, the victory will be in the hands of a woman then. And Jael wasn't that she was some big shot lady. She was someone who was staying at home. She was taking care of her tent. 
She used the tools that she had at home with her, but she saw her moment. She said, no more, and she killed the one that was hurting her people. So what that means is when we step into our calling, whatever that is, each person here has value, has a unique call in their life, and when we say yes, we see victory together. It's not a one-man show, not a one-woman show. It is men of God, women of God, partnering together, and in that, we see victory. We'll see victory for our nation. We'll see victory for our families. That's what's going to happen when we say, enough's enough. It's time to rise up. We see the change. Jared, you're probably out there. You can come in now, Jared. But that, that's what this is about. That's what this what such a time to be alive. I, I started thinking about um, just different things that are going on, you know, and there's just garbage that's going on. There's that reality. And sometimes I have the moments where I'm like, Lord, what in the world? You know, you're like, okay, this is crazy. And then all of a sudden I realize, oh, I get to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then it becomes the moment of, wow, what a time to be alive. I am so excited to show people truth. I am so excited to be alive today to show children, this younger generation, what it looks like to be a woman of God. What an honor and privilege. I get so excited when I think about this younger generation and the reality that I have a role right now to walk as a woman of God, to walk in integrity, to walk and now learning what it looks like to be married, where it's the best thing ever, where it's amazing to be under a husband's covering, where I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I can have the best husband who covers me, who convicts me, who challenges me. Marriage is amazing. It's God's plan, so it's amazing. Amen. It's true, but I, it, obviously it's true. But I'm saying these things because now more than ever, the world is crying out for truth. And they search for other areas, and they're really disturbed because it will never fill. Amen. When you do things outside of God's plan and God's intention, it's not blessed. It's not fruitful. There's fear. There's destruction that's connected to it, right? So you keep searching. You keep searching. But when we realize the beauty of God's plan, of walking in His intentions, it's amazing. And I think about how hungry people are for that right now. You know, we literally have a generation that's crying out like, will you show me what it looks like to be a woman? Amen. They're crying out. Like, what's, what's the beauty of being a woman? What's the beauty of being a man? And we get to show them God's beautiful design. It's perfect. It's wonderful. Fruitful. It's a high honor and a high calling to walk out what God has for us. Amen. And so today's a charge to arise as mothers. Like we said at Deborah, she arose as a mother of a nation. She said, all right, enough's enough. So let's, let's go ahead and stand. I love hearing babies. It's just, it's a sign of life. It is, and it's just I think about, there's a lot of people pregnant right now. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's so fun. And, you know, there's kind of like a boom of people getting pregnant right now. 
And I just started thinking about, you know, language of the Spirit. And I just believe one of the reasons why that's happening is because God's like, I am about to show people the beauty of healthy families. I'm about to show my glory through healthy families, through mothers and fathers walking in their God-given roles. It is a miracle and a sign and a wonder. It is. There's never been a better time to be alive. Never been a better time. So to my women, those who are contending to have babies, who are excited, who are like, I want it, guess what? He did it for Julia. He did it for my mom. He wants to do it for you. For those who are like, I know that this is God's assignment for me right now. I'm going to stay put with it. Praise God you have a yes in your heart. We need you. For those that are the JLs that are like, enough's enough. I'm picking up that tent peg. I'm about to crush it through some temples. Praise God for you. We need you. I'm excited about it. I want the video of it. I don't necessarily mean literally. But there's a truth, you know, those that are like Brooke, where she said, it ends with me. It ends with me. I'm picking it up. I'm crushing that giant that's been coming against my family. It ends with me. So here's our charge. And one other thing I would say, this is for everyone, but just the beauty of how God created women, you're life carriers. You are. We are. We are life carriers. So we get to speak life wherever we go. Now the power of life and death is in our tongue. You're, you're, we are designed in such a unique, beautiful way. We're filled with compassion. We have a tender heart. We, we, God literally gives us a mother's heart. It's grace that he imparts to us. So we have a tenderness and a compassion the world needs. When you go to the store and people are looking at you like this, they need your mother's heart. Men, we need you to be the mighty men of God that you're created to be, to be our, our manly men that make us feel secure and, and championed on. Thank you for being mighty men. Let's just put our hands out for a moment. Lord, I just thank you right now that we get to be people of solution. Women of solution, men of solution. Not walking in passivity. I just thank you for the JLs that are rising up. Thank you for the Deborahs that are rising up today. We'll be bold as lions. That we will be bold as lions. I just thank you for the men that they'd rise up to be exactly who you've created them to be. God, thank you that we're a team and we need each other. We need each other. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that right now. I just believe that God is stirring up something in us to be bold as lions. Bold as lions. So what I want us to do now is I want you to look to the person next to you, say, I need you to be exactly who God created you to be. And you need me to be exactly who God created me to be. We're better together.
We're way better together. So I'm going to have, we'll have our prayer team come up here. They're going to come here and here. Not in front of the plants. I know, I made it difficult for everyone. So we'll be a little... So I want to thank those who are spiritual mamas to people. Thank you. Thank you, those who have chose to be spiritual mamas. Thank you, Jesus, for you. So one of the things that we're going to do is our ladies that are 18 and over, we have got these beautiful plants for you from Ruby Bloom. So you can thank my, my aunt, my Aunt Val. She donated them from Ruby Bloom. She can't be here today, but we'd love for you to get these. And if you want prayer, we have an amazing prayer team that's here for you today. They would love to pray for you and bless you. But here's our charge. We get to go out. We get to love the world. We get to love our families. We get to love those that God's placed right in front of us. And God is working everything out for your good. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Me too. So Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you that we get to walk out what you have paid for, Jesus. So I pray for clear vision for each and every person. You would give us clear vision to walk out hand in hand in our callings together, all that you've paid for, Jesus. So we love you. We bless all the women here. Thank you for the gift of their lives, Lord. We honor them and we honor our mighty men too. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right.